beautiful, despite the rain. Thank you for coming out. I mean, oh, oh, thank thank you. you. Caroline, do you remember this moment? Of course I do. I remember it like it was May. Well, that's because it was May. (laughs) Oh, God. And we were on stage for our first ever official Unladylike live show in Brooklyn, New York. That's right. It was a rainy night. We took a very motion-sick-inducing cab ride to the venue, speaking just for myself. But it felt so amazing to be on stage and see real live people. Oh, my God. Totally. Plus, we got to buy caboodles, which I've honestly been looking for an excuse to buy one since I was 13. So y'all dreams still come true. It truly was an amazing night. I mean, we talked about beauty and we got to enjoy two brilliant unladylike guests. And today, we're giving all y'all a front row seat. On with the show. Hey, everybody. And welcome to Unladylike, the show that finds out what happens when women break the rules. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. Yes. Yes. So, let's do a makeover. But seriously, we want to know what Unladylike beauty looks like, right? Uh, And not just my lipstick teeth. No, no. That's pretty ladylike. It happened. No, you're right. Um, (laughs) We know that beauty might seem like a really weird topic for us to cover in this kind of political climate. I mean, the world is on fire and and falling apart, and I have nightmares all the time. Uh, But really, I mean, there's so much to talk about, to unpack. Yeah, because I think even though it's a really ugly time right now, and we might think that beauty is really superfluous, um, in a way, there's no better time to consider beauty and what we think about beauty and the role of beauty, not just in what we put on our face and accidentally on our teeth, yeah. but also the, the dignity that we derive from it and the ritual we derive from it and what all of that means, especially as women living in a dumpster fire of a patriarchy. <laughs> Lots of dumpster fires. Yeah, I mean, Um, and let's also be honest that the conversations around feminism and beauty can get uh, pointless really quickly. Yeah. We want to get past the conversations of like, can I be a feminist and wear makeup? Like, fuck. No. (laughs) Get out. You're fired. Get out. And honestly, like, yes, beauty, beauty does matter. And talking about beauty matters. It can still help you basically feel like yourself and like you have control over something when the world is burning. And also, we got to acknowledge that we are kind of in the midst of a makeup moment, a beauty moment, Yeah, you know? Sisters doing it for themselves. You can't throw a tube of concealer these days without hitting some quote or some think piece about how beauty can be part of our self-care routine. It makes sense that we're in a beauty boom. Yeah, of course we want to watch Gifts of Rihanna putting on her Fenty makeup. Of course we want to go to Sephora and sample our our way, uh, just mind out of everything happening around us. Of course it's self-care. That's where I went the other day. Okay, but what we're... (laughs) Oh, to Sephora? Yeah. Did you forget all your troubles? I did. A woman and I talked about glitter lip gloss for a while. It was surreal and amazing. And that woman was me. (laughs) But uh, so we have a couple minutes to uh, look. Should we reveal some beauty tips? Yeah, look at some beauty beauty secrets. secrets. You guys shared some beauty secrets with us. So there was a caboodle. There was a caboodle somewhere. Yeah, that's right. We have a caboodle. Caboodles are back, y'all. P.S. Can I hear from anyone who had a caboodle? Okay, so before the show, one of our producers, Claire, was going around asking for y'all's beauty secrets. We would like to share a couple here because we can share secrets here. It is a safe space. This isn't being streamed on live internet. Oh, that's right. Hi, Mom. Um, My parents parents are so confused. No, they don't know what's happening. Okay, so beauty secret number one, wear a blazer, and it looks like you have your shit together. True. Oh, this one really dogged me in my 20s. Tell us a beauty secret. Always take your makeup off. Yeah. So 
hard to do. Sometimes you're just so drunk tired. Um, okay. Uh, tell us a beauty secret. I put my skinny jeans to the dryer before a night out. I got oh. all the clothing ones. See, but that just like makes, that makes my fat blouse over. <laughs> hey, blousing is beautiful. Uh, here's one. Listen to S&M by Rihanna. Uh, surround yourself with people who make you feel good. Aww. Are, any of, y'all, that. are any of y'all here with those people tonight? Aww. Y'all didn't have Liars. to clap for us. <laughs> um, okay, I put deodorant on my armpits, inner thighs, and under boobs every day. Yes, chub rub is real. That's a great idea. It is real. That's a great idea. Um, Y'all, we have more beauty secrets to come. We do. I'm learning a lot, P.S. I got to get a blazer, some deodorant, <laughs> a lot of stuff out of this. But first, we have two of the most charming, brilliant, beautiful minds out there talking about pop culture, beauty, and feminism. Gia Tolentino of The New Yorker and Bim Adewumni of BuzzFeed and Thirst Aid Kit Podcast. Please come out. Come on out. Hi, y'all. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Um, would we? Would y'all like to do a couple of self-intros first? Um, my name's Bimadi Wunmi. Um, I'm not from around these parts. <laughs> um, I am a journalist. I work currently uh, with BuzzFeed News. I also write a column for The Guardian in the UK. Um, I'm a co-host of Thirst Aid Kit uh, with Nicole Perkins. And our podcast is about... Thirst and lust and all that good stuff. Wonderful. Um, I'm Gia Tolentino. I write for The New Yorker. I spent like an hour today listening to Papa Roach. So I feel kind of insane <laughs> right now. Uh, I, um, yeah, I write about memes a lot. I, remember, I'm, I, wrote, I wrote about memes all day today and listened to Papa Roach. So I'm in a weird state of mind. Uh, Perfect. And I'm kind of, I don't know if this will be against the grain of the evening, but I am kind of a, I believe in the, that we're not critiquing beauty enough, actually. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just I don't think tell. that's against the grain when at all. Yeah. Throw that down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go for it. So what, what, what aren't we critiquing enough, do you feel like? Oh, I don't, I didn't mean to like, just start it off. Oh no, we're doing like, it. Really, really hard. You, do you want we're to? doing it, yeah. Okay, okay. So, so I think um, in fairy tales, whatever, beauty used to be a shorthand for moral goodness, right? Like all the protagonists, like every, every heroine in a fairy tale, like they had to be beautiful because that was how you knew they were good. Mm-hmm. I think at some point in the last, especially in the last 20 years, beauty has taken on all of that moral importance in and of itself. I think that people no longer think of it as standing for goodness, but that working to be beautiful is like a good in and of itself. So there are, and there are things, sorry, I'm like really going in right now. No, no you're, you're answering um, question yeah, number three. This is great. Well, I, and I think that there are things that, a lot of things that have played into this all at once. I think that we live in an extremely visual culture where now there is like a constant element of self-surveillance that is amping up beauty requirements. I think that beauty, like any sort of market force or like beauty is sort of a form of capital and like any form of capital, it escalates only. So requirements only escalate. Mm -hmm. And this is also dovetailed with like market choice feminism where it's like anything a woman does, you can't critique it because it's what she chooses to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in as much as I take deep pleasure in, you know, slathering shit all over my face at midnight when I'm like high and listening to Pop Roach again... (laughs) You know, um, I am like, I am operating in a fucking terrible system. Um, mm-hmm. I think about that all the time. Well, what about... <laughs> like, what, what are we supposed to do with that? Because I feel like in terms of the morality of beauty, like, you're supposed to be a natural beauty. And I mean, you talk about the achievement of beauty of working towards it as being like this new Puritan work ethic kind of thing and like something to be appreciated. But what are you supposed to do when like goodness is conflated with the natural fresh faced beauty? And what, what the fuck is that? 
I have another like really intense like Let's thing I'm sitting on about this. I got my beer. <laughs> um, okay, so this is so my thing about that is I think so if you think about beauty as a form of capital, which I do, um, there are two kinds of currency, right? Like one is fiat currency, which is like our paper dollars, where like it stands for something. Like it's not like a hundred dollar bill is worth it in itself of the material, right? It's it's representative of worth. And then there's commodity currency, which is like gold, salt, whatever. I think beauty is one that's been mistaken for the other. I think people think that beauty is sort of an inalienable, inalterable, like if if you are beautiful, it's like gold, something that is like, it is there, it's perfect, it's unmistakable, and it's unchangeable. People think of beauty as something that's just like that instead of something that is constructed, like fiat currency that we attach specific value to that changes in time. Mm-hmm. And another thing about the natural beauty thing is that I think the current like beauty aesthetic is like the Instagram aesthetic you could call it it's like the it's it's the appearance of naturalness with the um requirement of a ton of work and uh but so what we do about right because it's like oh I'm fresh-faced but I also have fillers and eyelash extensions and my job is to sit around and you know take sugar bear spawn con and take selfies you know and so what do we do with it i don't fucking know (laughs) i have no idea just acknowledge that that exists yeah and i think you know i think there's a way to talk about it that's not like is it feminist or not to wear makeup like i do think we're long past that conversation oh yeah but i do think that part of it is like not being afraid to say that we're indicting ourselves sometimes when we play into these systems that are ultimately that (laughs) yeah bim i wonder from thirst aid kit Mm. how all of this strikes you from the perspective of male beauty and thirst objects and sort of i don't know those those kinds of standards yeah i mean i think a lot of the time when we're talking about beauty we're talking about female beauty the idea of the construction of but people uh forget that male beauty is also just as constructed and I don't even mean like in terms of like hypermasculine like muscles and whatever. I mean, those are things. But I think people forget that there are trends in how men grow their hair. And, by, and this is the other thing as well. A lot of these trends are for white people. So I remember writing a piece once about Vidal Sassoon. And I was like, that's cool. But I wasn't getting a bob on my hair. Like my hair grows up, not down. So... And that's the thing that people talk about a lot of, you know, fresh face, even fresh faced. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the fuck is a fresh face? Like, that's that's some white people stuff. And I don't mean that. That's, but it's true. Like, I'm from England and people talk about, you know, um, Kate Winslet as a an English rose. And I'm like, that's very accurate. She is an English rose. But I was born in England too, sis, and I'm pretty as fuck, so no one's going to call me an English rose. And that's fine. I don't want to be called an English rose because they seem, you know, kind of milky and weird. But my point is, my point is there are categories for every kind of beauty, whether we think of something as natural or, you know, like Gia said, this inalienable thing of like, you know, beauty is beauty is beauty. And it's like, well, no, beauty has always been a thing that was negotiated Mm -hmm. and was treated as a commodity. And it shifts with every generation. And there are things that we can't understand from the past. I mean, people used to grind lead, like antimony, and put that on because it was considered beautiful. None of the stuff that we're doing now, which is my thing, none of the stuff we're doing now is new. We simply have more tools and uh, technology has caught up. Yeah. to some of the things that we had been thinking of but were unable to do, and now we can do them. The thing that no one ever talks about is how in the last two or three years, the ring light has become ubiquitous. <gasps> oh, yeah. That it's in everybody's eye. Yeah. You look at the photos and there's a ring light in every single is that photo. The, the th- that's the light that, you know, that gives you that. But that just made me, that that always made me think of 90s music videos, though. Yeah, like, it was always yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Hype Williams, right? The fish yeah. islands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But it's in every reflection. So yeah. everyone's looking natural mm. as fuck and looking, you know, just, you know, I just, just a few products. And everyone kind of lists what they list. 
And then you look into their eyes and you're like, motherfucking ring light. Like that alone takes out, like, that's like a blemish, like remover. It's a fucking light in your face. Well, I was, I was thinking about this, this recently because I don't know, um, have you guys seen the Instagram account like at Celeb Face? No. It's really nuts, right? Okay, so it's, um, so this is an example of that escalation mm. because this like once something becomes ubiquitous, there's no going back. Like through, right. if you watch the progression of beauty work throughout history, like the people putting lead on their faces mm-hmm. were the rich ones, right? Now right. beauty is accessible. Anyone can have a ring light and all of a sudden look flawless and it's the same sort of thing. So celeb face, it, it like was posting after the Met Gala, like people's like Getty images of people and then what the what the celebrity posted on their Instagram. <laughs> and you could flip back and forth and see the face tune. And it's like here you have the most beautiful women in the world <laughs> whose job it is to look beautiful on camera. And they are using these widely available tools that we all have like Facetune or whatever. Mm. And they're all doing it. And if they're all doing it, you know, I like have a feeling that uh, like there was a... There was a New Yorker piece like a like a few months ago that was in like talking about the rise of apps like that in China where it's like it's like a faux pas to post a non uh, photoshopped selfie or like if you take a picture of your friend it like is rude to not like kind of airbrush them a little and it sort of <laughs> seems like it's you know historically things have never gone in the opposite direction right the requirements only escalate right which terrifies think, me well that's the thing about like you know the, the genie wants out of the bottle just kind of keeps changing shape but in reality i mean i don't i i am alarmed in the very usual way i'm an alarming i, I, I find things alarming in general <laughs> like everything's like ah ooh, you know, you know but i also think that in some ways with regards to this particular like genie out of the bottle thing, I'm not that. I mean, I'm I'm in my mid thirties, and I grew up in a world where cameras, sleek little cameras, those little things that you had to flip the flash up and take a photo. <laughs> and I remember counting down how many like photos I had left on my film. Mm-hmm. I remember how much it cost to go and get that shit developed, and how I would sit on some of these things because I just didn't have the money yet, and how it was a treat to take photos. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like an old lady, but I am a crotchety 85-year-old. <laughs> you look great. Yeah, what do you use? Athletic acid. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I do think that, on the one hand, there are some things that we should worry about, and it's important for us to keep talking about them and at least noting them so that we can kind of point back and say, hey, this thing means this thing. But on the other hand, I'm also kind of like, eh, that's, human beings do this shit. And even now, like Gia says, we don't critique beauty enough, but also sometimes I think we're doing too much. Sometimes I'm like, let the shit settle. You know what I mean? But like, again, I have, like I said, I, I, I kind of fluctuate between like intense alarm and kind of like, eh, we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I maintain the alarm, but deep, deep down at my core, I'm very Nigerian. I'm like, ah, it's time, it's time. Like, all right. <laughs> Okay, y'all, I hope you're enjoying listening to this as much as I'm enjoying re-listening to all of it. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, a search for beauty icons from Disney to Diana Ross. Don't go away. We're back, and today we're bringing y'all the highlights and the contours from our live show recorded back in May in Brooklyn. The theme of the night was beauty. So we wanted to know who or what shaped Gia and Bim's ideas about beauty. I I love this question. I was thinking about trying to think of who I thought the most beautiful woman in the world is when I thought, look, one thing I always think of is my little brother who's five years younger than me. When he was like four years old, my mom was wearing like a ruffly blouse and he, and he had just watched Peter Pan and like, it's like the Captain Hook blouse. And he was like, he was like, mom, is that what you wear when you want to look sexy? (laughs) And she was like, what? And he like had gotten this idea because, because Captain Hook is like very glamorous. You know what I mean? Like he's very like this like fabulous villain. He is fabulous. Totally. And so my brother had like mistaken just the word sexy and I love that. For me, (laughs) I think um, I, I'm kind of, I'm like missing the sort of 
cognitive chip that makes you look for like exemplary figures. So I, I was never like, and also it's because I grew up in like a super white community in Texas and all the things that people thought were beautiful were not like, I didn't recognize myself in any of them, but I also didn't feel the absence of that. And so, you know, I think my friends, like, I think my friends consistently, I've always thought my friends are really beautiful and I've like loved looking at their faces the way I love looking at celebrity faces and oddly, and it was my friends that like made me feel pretty and like treated me like somebody that, I don't know, was like, you like to look at their face. And so I think I've kind of kept it, I haven't, I have like a strong anti-celebrity bias anyway, but I have like, for me, that's kind of how, yeah, I have shaped my idea of beauty. Mm-hmm. I think my mother was a very key point for me because my mom is, um, at least she used to be a lot more glamorous when I was younger. She was someone who... My mother didn't believe in flats, like, as a concept. Kind of like, what are those? Like, truly, she just didn't... I remember sitting and watching her put makeup on. My mom is also, like I said, she's, she's, she's a Nigerian-British person, which um, is quite the mix. And she, she's, she's modest, but she doesn't believe in false modesty. So I remember once when I was growing up and saying to... She was putting on her makeup and doing it all in layers and so on. And I kind of stopped up staring at her and I was like, God, mom, I said, you, you look so beautiful. And she barely paused. And she was like, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, then she, and then she added in like fake humility, she was like, oh, God really did something great here. And I was like, it's a little too late for that. <laughs> but I remember thinking like, like she's she was that effortless about it so I never but she never gave us a complex about it so I never felt like I was like letting her down by not being as interested in beauty as she was um so that's a very good thing is I've I've inherited almost no hang-ups about beauty or my body image at all because my mother just didn't treat she treated our bodies as kind of very much like the vessels that carry our brains and our souls. So I was like, that's cool. But she was like, well, it's there. So you might as well, if you want, do something with it. And I was like, all right. You know, but then in terms of like women in the world, I grew up in the 80s. And so um, it was actually a surprisingly rich time for black women on TV in Britain. So there was a a wealth of black women. The first person who I loved outside of my family um, and really kind of was like in awe of was um, Diana Ross. Um, I remember being three or four years old and watching a video of hers and crying from the beauty of it and like being overwhelmed, like shaking. Um, And thereafter, whenever her video would come up on TV, I would crawl under our coffee table and just kind of hug myself. Just like, (laughs) just, just kind of like, oh my God, how is she real? Like, I was like, I remember my sister said I would basically like hide my face and be like, oh my God, oh my God. Like... It's like the Ark of the Covenant. You're like, Basically, I couldn't look directly at her. But I was just like, she had like this big, like, her, you know, curly Afro hair that was out to wherever. And she would wear like furs, you know, fur is murder, but she would wear fur. <laughs> and, you know, Dana Ross is so slinky and she would kind of like, you know, pad her. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Cat? Like, she's like, you know, like, I think I was in love with her. Just like, what the fuck is that? Like, the, the very important thing also is that we were born in the UK and we lived there for a few years and then we moved to Nigeria where we were not a minority and that does something to you and it is something that I'm very grateful my parents did and I can look back on that personally having lived in both locations you know the UK and Nigeria and kind of go oh okay I see so that's that, that that's been a very very kind of I think that didn't seem that important to me at the time, but looking back, I can see a very kind of clear line where there would have been some kind of personal, like, you know, schism, some kind of fissure, and it just doesn't exist for me. Thinking about that, I've also had a similar thing with Texas, because Texas is, you know, like the land of, like, extremely constructed beauty, which is maybe why I'm so attuned to it now, but um, I was like, so I also grew up putting on makeup all the time because I was a gymnast, I was in Mm. plays, um, I was in Cats the Musical when I was four (laughs) as an extra, (laughs) which is the tightest shit ever. Um, And, but so I always thought of makeup, I was like, oh, you're going to go, you're going to go perform, time to put your makeup on. And I was used to that from like age five, which I am now realizing is kind of weird. Mm. <laughs> but and I didn't realize how much that kind of I think I I think of 
beauty is sort of like it's like a sort of site specific um, like conventional armor or something, but it's like it's this like pragmatic thing you do to present yourself in the way that works for that situation. Um, so, and I also, but I also liked it too. Like, of course, like, um, there's that like Simone de Beauvoir thing where she talks about like women enjoy, like the, the pleasure is in the backstage. It's not in the performance. The pleasure is always in, and it's where you have like women getting ready for something together. Like that's always more fun. Like the, the, the cocktail you have before the party is more fun than the party sometimes. And, Mm -hmm. and so I always liked, like, I thought it was so special when I got to put makeup on and I like loved the feeling because it was like this is like an exciting thing to play with. Well, and it's such a difference to putting on makeup in that kind of communal way where you're getting dressed up Mm -hmm. and it's a whole thing that you're going to do when you set aside time versus like, oh God, I look like shit this morning. (laughs) I'm just going to like spackle my face. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, just so that someone won't say that you look tired. Like it's basically staving off like, are you well, right. sick? And I think that there's something to be said for like, there's a lot more, there's a lot more kind of outright pleasure to be taken mm-hmm. in beauty when you still fit the ideal to some degree. I mean, like I'm right. speaking specifically of age. Like mm-hmm. I think um, like it's really easy to take a deep pleasure in the beautification process when you're young. And if you've kind of fit any corner of like, if you have like smooth skin or like bright features, or if you have like a manageable body, you know, whatever, like, I think the pleasure that it is possible to take in beauty, it's a fun sort of like super erogatory duty versus like, if you don't do this, someone's going to be like, you know, (laughs) and, and it's not fair. And, you know, it's not fair. The women to whom as as a 33 year old who has gray hair, I feel that. Yeah. And you're just 33. You know what I mean? Like, isn't it crazy that like, yeah. Mm. And when we talk about who is excluded from beauty conversations, you know, I'm sitting here a dark-skinned black woman. For the longest time, nobody gave two single shits about me and my products. No one. And even now, when everyone's kind of like, Rihanna, I'm like, there were some people before Rihanna. But yeah, the, the joy of it, but the joy of it, the, the joy of Fenty for, it, for, for me, for example, is, you know, somewhere in that whole thing about the communal, I can go, it shocked me when I went to Sephora and I looked at the ranges and there were shades darker than me. And I was like, you're normally, I go into a shop and I just reach for the darkest because I'm like, fine. And this time, Brianna was like, hey, slow your roll. (laughs) There's like four shades darker than you. And I was like, well, for that reason alone, I will buy whatever the fuck you put in front of me, Brianna. I don't need it, but I want it now. And so for me, there's a pleasure as a black woman walking into a beauty emporium and kind of going, oh, there's shit for me. I think we're too quick to apply blanket you know, this idea of if women are doing something that they love, it must be because they're simple-minded. <laughs> or it must right. be because they don't understand. And, but I'm going to explain to them why it's bad. And in so doing, they'll cease their silly, silly lady behavior. And it's kind of like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, on the other hand, I'm like, just like Gia said, some of this shit is damaging. And we can't pretend it's not just because it gives us some pleasure. And that's, that's that kind of gray spot to kind of, kind of, fit in and try and work out well speaking of like silly silly brains and things like that when's the last time that both of y'all got unsolicited comments about your appearance i mean a couple of maybe a couple of weeks back when it got really sunny and hot Mm -hmm. and the walk back again this is never in doubt i always look good so (laughs) so it wasn't a case of kind of like oh this is a surprise like you know what i mean like oh it's never happens it's like (laughs) But this horrible man just was just behind me and he was like, mm, and just in that kind of like, like I was a steak and I was like, let's not do that. And he was like, and it was like the sun was out. So it was clearly kind of like his blood was high. And I was like, just, just chill. But he kept, he followed me for like half a block and he was just kind of just muttering how nice I looked. And I was like, you know what makes me not feel nice is this shit. Um, but, you know, factually he was correct, but, but it was... <laughs> But it was, it was horrific, and you don't deserve that. So that was the last time that it was just kind of like in your face, and I was just like, you don't have to... That's the thing, I think so often I want to say to dudes, like, you know, you don't have to do this. You can just, you can just shut up. You can just see it. Because that's the other thing as well. Like, when dudes do that, I'm like, do you think women don't see attractive men? Like, like straight women, you think we don't see? Yeah, you just, when you do, you, all you have to do is go, mm. to yourself. Sometimes you don't even have to be audible. Mm. You just kind of note it. Like, the sky is blue, mm. there's a hot guy, just carry on. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't have to, it's remarkable to me the need for men to perform their lust Attraction, in that yeah. way. And I'm just like, 
just sit down. <laughs> we were all thinking it. There was one time, like, not, this wasn't the most recent time, but I was coming out of yoga, like, like a hot yoga class, like, really, like, blissed out. And I was, like, carrying my mat, just, like, drenched in sweat. And this guy walks up right behind me and goes, want to fuck? Oh. <laughs> and I was like, ah! But actually, it was someone on the B-54 bus who said she liked my nail polish. Huh. Yeah, a woman. I, yeah. Love, I love a lady compliment, yeah. though. That's like, because it always feels sincere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah. I was saying, to, I think I tweeted about this recently, like the best flavor of compliment is unsolicited from a woman and extra points if she's black for me. <laughs> because that always feels like, like I once had my hair done. I just had like, I got some color, it was red. And I was just kind of, you know, you're feeling a bit self-conscious. And I was like tugging a bit. And this woman was on the outside of the street. And she crossed the road and she was like, yes. <laughs> that was her full first, like, that was her opening gambit. Yes. I was in Brooklyn and I was like, oh, thank you. And she was like, you are killing it. And I was like, I feel like a murderer. Thanks. <laughs> yes. And the thing is, she changed my whole day. I went around and I was like, it's okay. A random black lady said I look like fire. So fuck everything. <laughs> everything is fine. And it changes. Compliments yeah. from women change your day. Yeah. And compliments from men tend to generally change your day, but for the worse. But so I, it's... I think there's something about... And there's... Because and, I often think like... It is. It feels so unexpected. Like, have you ever gotten a compliment from a strange man that's that's just like short, and then the encounter ends? Like, you're like, yes. oh, you're not it's gonna. Rare, but it happens. And and it yeah. and it also feels nice. Like, it's like yes. a nice interaction with a stranger. Like, no matter. It's just because men tend not to give those compliments. Um, right. But I, you know, and that's much more of a of a woman to woman kind of thing. It's just like, hey, I really like, you know, I like that shirt and. Mm. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think it should. I hope that it is possible for men to compliment each other in that way, you yeah. know, and, and like men to even compliment strange women to be like, hey, like, love your fucking boots, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that that kind of a thing, I kind of want to reclaim the sort of visual compliment as something that doesn't have to be so loaded. Like, you're, right. you know, you can just be like, yeah, you look, you look great. Mm-hmm. You know? Get the creep factor out yeah. of it. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. the thing you said also Because it's about, a pleasure that women enjoy with each other all the time. Right. Yeah. But then I also think about that thing you were saying before about the, the effort that goes into what we look like. And I think a lot of the time when a woman is complimenting me, it feels like she's recognizing my effort. Mm. Because it's probably familiar to her in a way that it's not familiar to many men. So I think sometimes when a woman kind of says, I love your makeup, what she's saying is, I love that you got up at 6.45 today. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I can see what you've done with those extra half, yeah. like those extra minutes. Yes. And that somehow feels like a richer compliment. And mm. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Thank you. Yeah. It, it really... It really was some work. I did some work on this face. And thank you for noticing. This twist out was a particular bitch, but I conquered <laughs> it. You know? I love that. Okay, y'all. We're going to take a quick little break. But when we come back, we'll take y'all's questions and hear more beauty secrets. back and we're diving into our conversation with Gia, Bem, and y'all. The last part of the night, we took some audience questions and we kicked things off with a question about how to bring people into the conversation who weren't currently in the room. So what I'm curious about is how do we take this conversation that we've been talking about for an hour and 15 minutes and how do we convey that to the men in our lives? Like we all have dads and boyfriends and you know, brothers. So how do we bring them in this conversation in a way that's productive for us? I don't know. I'm, I'm of two minds. A part of me is always kind of like deep down, deep, deep down. I don't care. So <laughs> like, but I don't even mean that in a kind of like, fuck man. I mean, just a kind of like, I'm very busy living my life and I don't necessarily need to explain some shit to you. That seems crystal clear to me. Um, you know, it's like, people kind of do this on Twitter where they're kind of like, oh, teach me. And I'm like, fam, the same internet that you're on in Twitter with, you can Google some shit also as well, in addition. 
So I always feel like, on the one hand, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't care to explain to men I'm single. But I, I also feel, <laughs> but, I, but I feel strongly, I genuinely, all jokes aside, I feel strongly that sometimes you just have to get busy living your life. And if people kind of pick up along the way, if people have questions, I'm happy to help the people that I care about answer those questions. One of the, again, a tangent, I think about fan fiction, so often written, created by women, for women and for other people. And somehow so many men don't read fan fiction. And if you were to read fan fiction, you would find a blueprint to life <laughs> because women write, women write what they want in their fan fiction. You have never seen more scenarios of consent than in fan fiction. And if men just fucking read fan fiction, there wouldn't be so many. What do I know? How do I know she's saying yes or no? It's in the fucking fic. Like, just... And that's how I feel about beauty conversations, where I'm kind of like, it clearly means something to me because here I am, an hour and 15 minutes in, talking about beauty. If only you would pay attention to this stuff because it does mean that our lives can be just that little bit easier and more understood if only they would but i don't believe i have the answer as to how to bring them into the room thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, i think that so one of the reasons that men are not a part of this conversation is because they have all of these requirements removed from them, right? They don't have to be a part of it. I don't think I would be a part of this conversation if beauty wasn't so deeply overvalued in women. I also think that beauty is, like, when we talk about beauty, we're talking about who is valued and we're talking about, like, ideal. And, and men interact with those ideas as they pertain to women all the time. You know, like, I had a guy friend in Texas who was, like, talking shit about some date he had gone on because the girl looked like he hadn't, she hadn't gotten a manicure you know, in a while. And this was like, you know, 2004 or something. And I was like, look at your nails, man. Like, look at your own nails. Yeah. You know, and, and I think like there are, there are like points like that where it intersects, like where competing expectations of what we expect of, what men expect of themselves and what they expect of the women they want. Mm. Um, that for me is kind of the inflection point at which I've been like, well, hold on a second. Mm. I also think men are, I mean, so I used to edit Jezebel, and by the time I left, um, our readership was 50-50 male-female, which I found really interesting and which I was privately, like, really proud of. And part of it is I think that men are shut out of this conversation maybe because we think maybe more interested than we think. Like, that kind of gave me hope that, like, you know, people – like, this is an interesting conversation about expectations generally – I, uh, something that comes to mind just in my personal life, um, there's, uh, I experienced such a massive difference between, um, dating a guy who grew up with no sisters and dating a guy who grew up with sisters who, who is now my husband. Um, <laughs> but part of it was like, it was such a relief when he was not like weirded out at all by any of my like feminine routines or whatever. Whereas the guy who had no sisters who had never seen any of the stuff he had just seen the woman presented before him <laughs> and then was very quick to critique how I did my hair and makeup. Oh. Um, whereas like, I think it's just, I don't know. There's like a, a, an awareness thing. So I say, put on your makeup in public women. Let's shove it in their faces. <laughs> I think we have time for one one more question. Yeah. yeah. Hi. Um, so I have a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old young lady. And uh, my 10-year-old is starting to wear makeup at school. I'm cool with it. I don't care. Her dad, not so much. Um, so I'm curious to know if you guys could share a little bit about when were you self-aware? When you started looking in the mirror and thinking, hmm, maybe I need to jazz this up a little bit. And when... <laughs> And also, when were your parents saying that this was acceptable? Because I grew up in Catholic school where it's just like, uh-uh, 17? Like, you, no, it's not allowed. So um, I'm trying to be a little bit more liberal than my weirdo parents. Thank you. I think this is, so, this is so interesting. This is one of the most interesting things, like talking to my friends who have kids this age who are like watching it happen all over again, right? I mean, one thing that I was talking, I was like emailing with like a stranger today about this is... I grew up putting on makeup all the time and thinking it was really fun. And, um, and I, 
dressed, you know, like I would go to the club when I was 14, just dressed like a fucking monster. (laughs) And you know what I mean? And like I wore, I think I started wearing makeup in middle school and I would, you know, cover myself in body glitter for dances and I wore like tiny mini skirts and whatever. And one thing that I'm deeply, deeply grateful for is both of my parents. I'm sure, I'm sure at some points I overdid it many points. I'm like thinking about what I wore, like the the going out top, like, you know, peak, like it was horrible, but they never, they didn't comment on it at all. They were just like, you do you. And it allowed me to settle, you know, in my late teens, early twenties in what was me doing the me that would stick. Mm. I mean, I, I didn't, I was the complete opposite. I didn't put makeup on, even though I had a mother who very clearly appreciated makeup and wore it often. So I, I, I grew up aware of makeup, but I never really had a desire. I was kind of a, a bookish child and also like a tiny bit judgy. Um, and I thought makeup was like silly. And I'm not a silly person, okay? Very serious. Um, but I didn't start wearing makeup properly till my 20s, really. And I'm 35 now. There was no pressure the one thing my mom is very interested in and still is always since I was a kid, it's very, it's something I've spoken about with a lot of other Nigerian friends. And it's like our parents are obsessed. Our mothers are obsessed with making us wear earrings. <laughs> like more than makeup, more than anything. It's kind of like, put some earrings on. <laughs> You're a girl. And it's like, the thing that your mom always asks you to do is a really interesting, like my mom was always like, tie your hair back. Cause it's like always oh. in my face. Yeah. Yes, get your hair out of your face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My mom's very jewelry. Yeah, yeah but I'm, we're, we're a gold people, Nigerians, like West <laughs> Africans in general, are very, you know, Ghana, it's colonial name used to be the Gold Coast. Like it's, we're, we're a gold people. And I once wore silver and my mother kind of like tutted at me. She was like, <laughs> she was like, silver? In that very gentle. And I was like, yeah. And I had like a silver ring on and I think gold earrings or something. And she was like, Is, do they mix and match nowadays? Yeah. <laughs> I get that question. Well, not that question, but my very question. Southern yeah. mother is always like, oh, are, um, is that a thing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, of course, the natural thing is to revert to, t- I was like, yeah everyone's mixing gold and silver. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, there's no need for this aggression. But I think that that freedom to kind of indulge in it or not um, helped me kind of like do it or not. And I think that if you're kind of like, if you're not bothered about it, generally your kid doesn't get hung up on a yes or a no. And I feel like that's the same, what, exactly what Gia said, kind of like, yeah, you went a bit to whatever, but also your parents are kind of like, eh, don't die, I guess, come home. Like... <laughs> That's the full, that's the full extent of it. Like, just stay alive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I uh, also to her dad, um, that kind of anxiety that he's feeling of like, you don't want her to mature too fast or attract like unwanted attention too quickly. Mm. Um, I know that that was something that, uh, like my dad harped on way too much with my sisters and I, and it's, you pick that up and it's a really confusing message to get when you're young and um, because you are being expected and socialized to need to look a certain way, but also kind of being told um, that be careful, don't look too good. And um, even if I'm sure that's not the message that he intends, anxiety is understandable. But I think before taking away her cosmetics maybe challenge him to take away his preconceived notions. Oh, <laughs> oh that was smoothly um, done. Yeah, that meanwhile, nice. like, my father never said a word to me ever about, not in general, <laughs> um, about my appearance or makeup or whatever, but my mother, from the time I was about 12 until this past Sunday, um, every time I see the woman, it's like... You need a little more blusher. <laughs> like that you look, sets out. Yeah, you need I wear a, tons oh, of blush now. Yeah, blusher, but not just blush. Blusher, <laughs> and like I mean, you just look like you just look real tired. Like, do you need and and yeah, it's it's that. And then when I go home and I am wearing makeup, but like the no makeup makeup, mm. she's like, "Oh, your skin is cleared up," and I'm like, mm, "Yeah, <laughs> makeup forever." It's it's the it's the truth. Y'all want to pop open the caboodle? Take a dive in that. Some more beauty secrets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can find out what else I need to buy. Yeah. And I'm not Use. putting my pants on the dryer. It's good. It's good. I like that. <laughs> I'm Indian, so coconut oil everywhere all the time. 
<laughs> Shocking how trendy it has become recently when I was teased for smelling like it as a child. Yeah. I am also a fellow, like, I have, like, super dry skin, and I am Same. fucking covered in oil. Yeah. <laughs> Every time someone kind of goes oily skin, I'm like, can't relate. Don't know what that means. Oh I naturally God. just, like, slide out of things. Just, yeah. like, naturally. That's quite the image. Thank yeah. you. That's great. Thanks. Uh, this is someone here. For clear skin and glossy hair, just draw... <laughs> Just draw a pentagram in salt on your floor. (laughs) (laughs) Place five jet black feathers at the point and sacrifice a goat to Baal. It's so easy. Hail Satan. (laughs) Thank you. That's good. That's good. Baal. That's two A's. Okay. Did he already read this one? Understanding that beauty entirely depends on place and time. Fat was once considered the most desirable. Mm, Hell yeah. yeah. I have a kindergartner and both my husband and I work long hours, so I often take cowgirl baths. Rachel, explain what a cowgirl bath is. Um, I think I know it by another name. It's like when you're like just like in the tub for a second. Backwards? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) What? Never mind, that's something else. Is is that... (laughs) Tell me that. Not a reverse cowgirl, though. It's it's just cowgirl. There's no reverse. It's like the tub, right? It's like you're just like... Is that what that means? You're just like dunking in the tub with your toddler? Oh, I see. okay, yeah, you just washcloth. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, I've never the, heard it called that before. I've, called it, I've heard it called the whore's bath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what I know it as. That's She's what I called it when I PC. Okay, yeah. just checking. Yeah. Yeah. But she has a kindergartner, so it's a cowgirl bath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Did one of have? my friends' grandmothers would always say, wash your corners. <laughs> Which is like... Real, yeah. That's solid. I like that. Caroline, wash your corners is my new favorite beauty and life advice. So (laughs) thank you to Gia's friend's grandma, wherever you are. Yeah, it probably is better than a cowgirl bath or, yes, indeed, whore's bath. (laughs) Although I love that the cowgirl bath was just (laughs) like the censored version (laughs) for... For the kid. We we truly learned so much that night, Kristen. We really did. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not even joking. Um, it was so fun to hear Gia and Bim just talking to oh, each other. God, yeah. And vibing off of each other's beauty theories and experiences and memories. And to also be able to be there with some of y'all. Yeah, it's great to be around humans making you laugh. It makes me feel really good. <laughs> Thanks again to everybody who has A, supported us since our launch, and B, come out to see us live. There are going to be a lot more opportunities for those of y'all in New York and outside of New York this fall because, I don't know if you've heard or not, but we're publishing a book October 2nd, so keep an ear out for when we're going to be coming, hopefully, to somewhere near you. And if there is some place that you want us to come, we're all ears. You can always drop us a line at hello at unladylike.co. Now, Kristen, before we go, that night during our live show, we also had a super special guest appearance. Yes, we did. And it was from everyone's favorite pep talker, Joyelle Nicole Johnson. You might remember her from our very first Unladylike episode on abortion. You're going to want to stick around after the credits to hear Joyelle's beauty pep talk that she gave to our audience on stage. And y'all, while you are on the internet, did you know that we make bonus episodes once a month that are available only on Stitcher Premium? Well, now you do, and they're called Extra Unladylike. And we just released a new one today. It's a behind-the-scenes chat with... Someone whose work you admire and might be familiar with. Definitely you've heard her voice because it's my BFF, Madeline Adams, the voice and mind behind Unladylike's amazing theme song and an amazing singer-songwriter in her own right. In this bonus chat, I go deep with Madeline about writing the theme, her punk rock high school days, and her band now, Flamingo Shadow, which has been lauded as the B-52s on acid, and that is not an exaggeration. This episode has everything. It's sweet. It's hard rock. It's friendship. It's song and dance and sequins and joy. Don't miss it, y'all. Sign up for Stitcher Premium right now. Use the code UNLADYLIGHT to get a free month of listening. Plus, you can catch up with all of our other bonus episodes. That's stitcher.com slash premium code UNLADYLIGHT. 
Abigail Keel is the senior producer of Unladylike. Mixing and sound design is by Casey Holford. Julie Subrin is our editor. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Jenny Rattelet. Special thanks to Peter Clowney, Tiffany Square, and all the folks who made our live show possible. Claire Rawlinson, Andrew Mum, Harry Nelson, Jeff O'Neill, and Brendan Sullivan. And we are your hosts, Kristen Conger and Caroline Irvin. Next week, we're taking on one of the biggest unladylike taboos of all. Do you ever do you ever feel like a bad mom? When I'm really excited to take my kid to school and go back home. Y'all, we think you're going to love this episode and you're not going to want to miss it. So make sure you subscribe to Unladylike in your favorite podcast app. And remember, got a problem? Get Unladylike. And as promised, here's the lovely Joelle Nicole Johnson. This is a beauty pep talk, you guys, okay? <laughs> Since I'm cute. Um, first of all, I want to talk to all the night owls in the room. Any night owls in the room? Yes, yes. Wake up when the fuck you want to, okay? <laughs> they say the early bird gets the worm. Fuck that, the night owl has more fun. So yeah, <laughs> my face does not wake up before noon. I'll tell you that right now. That's one way I feel beautiful. Another way I feel beautiful is I sexually harass men in the street. Um, I do it. I give them tips on how to be better. I be yelling at them walking down the street like, hey, buddy, you did some crutches, you be cuter. You know what I'm saying? Do some squats, don't skip leg day, you know. I want to see some ass in them jeans. A couple more things. I play dress up. Um, I have multiple tutus. I'm a grown-ass woman. That's okay. Uh, I play dress-up and I dance in the mirror, so you got to do that. Um, it's real cute. When I do my makeup, I listen to Laverne Cox's new song, Beat for the Gods. Look that one up. It's a good one. It is. Here, I'm doing the five steps because I'm in my 30s. Does everybody know the five steps? Oh, this is the five steps. You got to uh, cleanse, tone, treat. Moisturize and protect. So look that shit up, you know? <laughs> My facialist told me that. <laughs> Black don't crack for a reason. Moisturize yourselves, white people, all right? Just do it. Yeah. Get a vat of coconut oil, soak yourself <laughs> in that shit every day. That's why black and brown doesn't crack. And um, last but not least, I am a Virgo and I'm very vain. Um, so my house is covered in mirrors. I listen to two prophets. Um, Oprah, first of all, when you look in the mirror, you say, hello, gorgeous. That's first of all, right? And second of all, I quote the uh, prophet Cardi B. (laughs) And now I'm recently saying, I look myself in the mirror and I say, we gonna win. Knock me down nine times, but I get up 10. Oh, yeah. We gonna win. Knock me down nine times, but I get up 10. Yes, that's my name, Joyelle. I talk. Stitcher. 